All right, greetings, everybody. Welcome once again to the Rec Poker Podcast, the YouTube video. Uh, my name is Steve Fredland, and as always, we are sponsored by Running Aces Racetrack and Casino, and this is episode 126. And tonight, we actually don't have a guest expert with us. It's just going to be the, the Rec players uh, having some great discussion, and I know one of the things we're going to talk about is uh, how do we play when we hit trips on a paired board? Uh, so we're going to talk about those things. A couple of quick announcements. I know a number of you are part of the Crazy Like a Fox, and we're, we're about halfway through that deal already, just having a great time. Uh, you can still join late and get access to the videos if you want. Uh, otherwise, feel free to shoot me a note if you have any questions on that deal. Uh, we do plan on making the videos available at some future point so uh, more people can join in on what has been, I think, a very good learning process. A uh, couple of things from our sponsor, Running Aces. The Spring Poker Classic uh, ended this past weekend. Ty Van Din taking down first place. It was a $500 buy-in, and he took home about thirty-five grand. Uh, just sort of a star-studded final table. So a very good final table, but congratulations to Ty. They also ran this double stack series during the Spring Poker Classic, and the folks that uh, won some bonus money because of the points, uh, they, they gave a certain amount of points for how you finished. They added up all those points, and they gave a, bo a bonus of up to $2,500. Uh, Peter Herr, Brandon Kelsenberg, and Clint Lighthizer. Congrats to you guys. And the player of the week last week, uh, Nathan Hernke, Anthony Burtz, Randy Smith, and Jay Brousseau. So congrats to all of you folks out there. So with that, uh, let's turn it over. Let's uh, let's have some cool discussion. What do you all say? Uh, we're joined by at least uh, Rob and Chris and John and Stacy. We've got Jack down there too. So it uh, should be a good discussion. And I'm just going to turn it right over to Chris Jones, who had an idea for this this topic. So Chris, uh, take it away and thanks, man. Yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, you know, this is basically time to pick me apart, but I feel like <laughs> I've uh, been um, playing a lot. I think this has been happening to me a lot where I've been hitting trips on the flop. I feel really good about myself and then I seem to run into some trouble. And um, I'm curious about these spots. Like sometimes, um, you know, it's pretty obvious and sometimes it's not. Um, but so I'll just, I'll just start with, I have three hands. We'll see if we can get through all of them, but, uh, we can just kind of talk through them. But so spoiler alert, they're all going to be, uh, we're all going to flop. So the, I don't think it's pretty or controversial. What's going to, uh, what I did to start. So it's just, uh, uh, I'm in the, uh, cutoff, uh, I opened to 5,500. I have about, uh, 210,000 here. Um, the button with 122,000 calls me and I'm describing him as a John Deerish type player. And then the big blind comes along as well. And then the flop is, I have ace of clubs, five of clubs, and the flop is ace of hearts, ace of diamonds, nine of hearts. And I guess I would start, stop there and see what people think. Well, and then it checks to me. Before we get too far, where are we at in the tournament? Uh, it seems like stacks are pretty deep. Are we at final table, near final table, near money bubble. What are we looking at? We're past the bubble, um, but we're, uh, I think we've got three tables left. So we're pretty far along here. Um, but it's not, uh, we're not into like final table situation yet. Okay, but we're, we're pretty deep. It looks like we have about... 80 yes. bigs, yep. uh, we're in the cutoff with about 80. The, button the rest like, of these stacks on here aren't correct. I just did the, the players who are are in the hand. Rel relevant. Everyone is pretty deep here. So for those that are on just the podcast, so we're in the cutoff with maybe 80 bigs or so roughly. 
the button the John Deerish guy has, what is that, 60 bigs roughly. And then the big blind has us outchipped. Yep. Okay, so we're, we're super, we're, we're really deep here, especially late in the tournament. Yep, yep. These are the three biggest stacks at the table. Okay, and you opened up with ace five of clubs and from the cutoff to yep. a little like two and a half X or something. Yep. Okay. So two callers going to the flop. We hit two aces, so we're feeling pretty good about ourselves. Um, and we get a check uh, from the big blind. Uh, and then I go ahead and uh, lead out pretty small uh, for about 5,000. So it's about a quarter pot or so, a little, yep. little over a quarter pot. Okay. I don't know what, what people think about that or that sizing. Yeah, what do you guys what do you guys think? So about a quarter pot uh, hitting trips with ace five. I think this deep stacked I would want to go a little bit bigger, given that you've hit some value here. What's the rationale for the because of the stack size? Because you're trying to get stacks in if it comes to that, or why why bigger because of the stacks in, but um if everyone was shallow stacked, uh it would be easy to get stacks in. Uh, by betting small and kind of keeping in people in the pot. Uh, with a flush draw out there, possibility of a bigger ace, whatever it may be, um, I don't know. I would just probably size up my bet. I'd probably go closer to 10, 11, 12,000, something like that. Yeah, I'm just trying to figure out, like, so the sizing up, is it is it related to the flush draw or is it related to because stack size, you want to get as much value as you can? Do you want to... Is about as much value to... as I can. I, it, it's for okay. value. It's not like pr- for protection or as a yeah. block or anything. It's like this is a value bet, and I want to get as much value as I can. So if it's a rainbow flop, you don't you same bet sizing. Uh, I mean, we still hit two aces. Right. Yeah. I'm just saying, yeah. if it's like you know the nine of spades or something. Yeah. Sure. I'm still doing that. Okay. So the bet size isn't isn't based for you at least in this spot on the the suitedness of the board. Not particularly. No. Okay. Uh, and then I'll just let you, so the, um, the button calls, um, and this player is really tight um, and has only got this big of a stack because uh, they hit like set over set and it was like a ton of chips went in. So the, their stack came in all at once, but otherwise they've been really uh, not coming along with hands. They have not shown much aggression. Um, and so here they are, they call (laughs) and, uh, the, uh, big blind calls as well. And so then we go to the turn, which is the four of clubs. And I guess I'll, what's my action. So it's checks to me. Do you want to chat at all about kind of what's going through your mind once you get called in two spots there? So the, the big or the big blind I'm not too worried about uh, at this point. I feel like if, if the big blind had um, something stronger at this point, we would have heard about it. Um, I'm really putting them almost uh, pretty strongly on a heart draw. Um, and the John Deerish player sticking around really worries me. Um, but I'm not quite, you know, I'm not quite sure. Like better aces... Um, maybe ace nine, some of those kinds of hands I'm start, I'm starting to get a little bit worried about, but I still feel like I've got a bet for value here. Do you, do you think the, you know, like John Deere, do you think he is the kind of player that would stick around with flush draw? Do you think he'd stick around with like 
Pocket sevens, pocket eights, that kind of stuff. <sighs> I mean, a flush draw, if it was a good one, probably. Uh, I think pocket sevens or pocket eights is is not that player is not sticking around at all. Yeah. What about like tens or jacks? Yeah, probably, probably, probably tens or jacks. Okay. But I think you know, what yeah, tens or jacks. Right. That's the question. But if he's pretty tight, he might not three bet yeah. three the tens or jacks, right? Right. So at this end, I'm just thinking. I'm just thinking. So, so it's a flush draw, or it's some sort of a made hand. Obviously, there's no straight draws out there. Mm-hmm. So he's got some random nine, or he's got some pocket pair that he's getting a little sticky with, or an ace. Obviously, I think what what what's going on here is going back to the, your flop bet. It was so small that. They didn't need that big of a hand to come along because the pot was so big at that time. Mm-hmm. So I think by betting bigger, you're going to um, – they're going to call you if they feel they have a little value either way. And if they don't, they're going to fold either way, right? right. So if they're going to call you when they think they have value, that, that you need to bet a little bigger to put a little more money in the pot because – you are going to assume that you have a lot more equity than they do at this point in time. So that's why I think a bigger bet to begin with, and that would better define your hand at the same time when you get to the turn. You're going to know if they both called a bigger bet, now you can start to really narrow down their range a little bit. Their range could be still pretty wide open just because of the size of your bet on the flop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense. So, um, so then it checks to me, um, and I, I still feel like I need to bet here. Um, and I'm, um, I'm deciding to, you know, size it up to, so I bet 25,000. So that's sort of the, the down bet that we've been talking about a little bit where you, you're betting small on the flop and then you're kind of putting the hammer down on the turn. Right. Cause that was about, for those on the audio, that was probably what three quarters, but it was 25,000 into into 36,000. Yeah. So it's about okay. two thirds pot. Yep. I mean, this should, this should certainly help define your hand to Rob's point. You know, at this point he has, the guy has 117,000. So it's a quarter of his stack. What do you guys yeah. think of bet sizing? I like it. I like it. I think you, like you said, you're, you feel that you're still ahead um, and regardless of the size of your bet, if they don't have a hand that they feel they can continue with, they're going to fold either way. So you're not going to get any value out of that. Um, so you might as well go for the value and, uh, yeah, I don't know. The draws are going to stick around and you want that, right? Yep. You, you think the draws will stick? You think two hard sticks around with that bet sizing? Yeah, I think they still can. Okay, I don't think John Deerish can stick around with a flush draw, but the big blind potentially could. Just because of his stack size? Yeah, I mean, at that point, you're starting to threaten his stack where he'd have to call off, I mean, what is that, like 20, 25% of his stack right. on a draw? Yeah, and if, he's, if he only has nine outs, you know, he's got 18% equity. Yeah.
All right. And so the action is probably the opposite of what I wanted to have happen, um, <laughs> which is that uh, John, John Deerish uh, calls and uh, the big blindfolds. Uh, and the river is the queen of spades. Um, and I, th I'm sitting here thinking, well, I've been called twice by the tightest player at the table <laughs> and I'm, I'm not feeling very good about my hand anymore. Um, so, but I don't know what I, this is the type of situation where I'm, I feel like I really messed up this hand and I'm kind of curious what others think. What, before I show, show you what I did, I'm kind of curious what you would do now. Yeah, I'm for sure. I mean, honestly, I'm probably check calling turn, but that's, that's too tight. And I lose too much value there to like flush draws and stuff. Uh, but I'm probably for sure check, maybe folding, uh, maybe calling. But, you know, I'm hoping to check call here, of maybe a bet of 30,000 or something. But I'm probably, you know, and I think I lose value in this spot. So I'm not saying it's the right play, but I, I would probably check with the intention of calling, but maybe folding if I just sent strength. Because there's, you know, obviously there's only one ace left. <laughs> there's only one ace left, but... Uh, he's he's called me every street, uh, so it feels like he's got a made hand. He wasn't on a straight draw. Uh, on a flush draw, I'm not going to get any value unless he decides to bet it. If I check it, you know, if I bet this and he has on a missed flush draw, I'm not going to get value, but I maybe get value if he turns it into a bluff. Uh, so that's sort of my play here is check, prob check probably call. How confident are you in your read of John Deere? Probably... Of all the players at the table, I'm the most confident of my read of this player. Uh, he's just been really ABC. Uh, like, if he hits a hand, he goes with it. And if not, he's really kind of getting out. And I haven't seen a lot of creativity out of the, the, this player. Because it, it, the, as you describe him, if he's a true John Deere player the way I think of them, then... At this point in time, he's not calling you with anything other than an ace. And if he has an ace, at best, you're going to be chopping, and it's likely you're behind. Um, however, everyone will go off the deep end occasionally. Right. So, you know, you've got to factor in some just random weirdness that does happen occasionally. Given that, so right now the um, your stack size is about double si the size of the pot, a little bit over that. You have about double what John Deere does for your chip stack, and I, in a in game, I'd be very hard pressed not to call. I'd probably do a check call, hoping that uh, if John Deere was going to value bet, it would be for less than his entire stack but he basically has a pot size bet yep and, and jack brought up a point too that i was thinking about so if he has pocket nines do you think he plays this the same way or do you think he would have like re-raised you on the flop or the turn well uh am i am i the one to answer that <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, I think, you know, just follow your read. I mean, I don't know what he actually had, but I think, you know, what do you think this kind of player or maybe for the group, you know, John Deere players, you know, when they have a big hand, a lot of them just rip it in just because they're either afraid or they're so excited to have a big hand too. So I'm curious what you guys think. If he had pocket nines, would he just call here, you know, flop and turn, or would he at some point try to get a stack in? 
I think the John Deere guy may play pocket nines in this exact manner. Yeah, it's very possible. Yeah. yeah. I think his aces, he could be playing any ace, and the only aces you're chopping with now are what? Ace-7, Ace-8. Ace-3 and Ace-2. Ace-3, Ace-2. That's ace about seven. it. The rest of them are beating you, which is – and he could be playing Ace-King this way. Right. Ace-King, Ace-Queen, Ace-Jack, all of those, yeah. Yep. Yeah, the only Ace – I did take him off Ace-King because I thought he probably would – I probably would have heard about that pre, but I think every other Ace uh, is probably playing this way. Um and I, I think I made the mistake of taking him off. Well, this might be spoiler alert time, but I, <laughs> I made the mistake of taking him off like pocket nines. I felt like, well, I would have heard about this at the, by this point. Um, but uh, surprise, surprise, that's what ends up happening. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, anyway, so I check. Uh, he bets 65000 um into uh, the pot, and... Um, I'm left here with a decision. You know, I think I really butchered this hand. Um, and I think that this is with this type of player and this type of decision with this big of a bet. Um, I think it's, it's gotta be a fold. Um, but I did not end up calling, but I don't know what others think. It, it sucks because, you know, by the, the, the problem with checking and I, I still like the check, um, you know, is that you've underrepresented your hand. And so, you know, a lot of players, that's a snap call for me because now they see that as weakness and they're going to take a shot with their missed flush draw. Against John Deere, the question is, would he ever turn his missed draw into a bluff? Would he ever, you know, do his pocket kings or something? <laughs> or, you know, pocket jacks, would he ever bet those for value in this sort of spot? Like, is he capable of making a bluff or, you know, a semi-bluff like this? You know, like, well, like what are you ahead? Is there anything that you're ahead of? Yeah, that's the thing. Is is there anything? Is there any? I guess there's flush draws. If I can, if I can possibly put him on a flush draw, right? If you think he would just give up, or if you think he would take a stab on the river, and he's betting a kind of a weird size. He's betting two thirds of his stack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, so part of the issue is, if it's a true John Deere player, he may not have even stuck around for the flush draw, because with the, a right. paired board he could be drawing dead already. Right. Um, right. And if you think about going, you know, John Deere to the extreme, the worst hand I'd see him betting here is when you check, because you bet the, the flop, you bet the turn. When you check, the only hand I think he's going to, the weakest hand he'll bet is ace king. Because, you know, you'd conti- probably continue with a, a full house, um, he's not going to bet anything else just in case you have ace king. Um, I don't know. It's a tough situation. I'd probably end up calling, but that's because I'm a calling station. <laughs> <laughs> Rob? I think, uh, I think John's absolutely correct on the John Deere, um, the way he would have played this hand. I don't think he would have stuck around for the flush draw. I think uh, on the flop, we were talking about, and the turn, we were talking about the solid aggressive guy that might stick around for a flush draw. Um, John Deere, I don't think he does. And if he does and it busts, he's not betting. Um, You're going to find most of the people 
there's very there's fewer bluffs on the river than you think there are. Typically, when you get to the river and somebody puts out a bet, especially a bet like this, which leaves him with a little over what eleven big blinds, he's yep. not going to uh, he's not going to put himself in that position on a bluff at this point in time. So you're you know he's got a hand, and to John's point the minimum hand that he's going to be betting here is probably ace king, which has you beat. Yep. Yeah. I think your I think your bet on the turn does, I think it does push off most flush draws for even most players. Um, you know, when you bet 25 K into 36 K, I think that is going to get rid of most of those flush draws just because of stack size and, and, and the odds uh, that you're getting there too. So unless they're really sticky, I think your flush draws are probably out of the hand. Which which leaves what then? You yeah, know, nothing. Yeah, unless you just think he's got tender jacks and just getting super sticky, and then on the river, would tender jacks ever bet for value here? No, I, I can't. You know, it's hard to imagine that. So it sucks. Yeah, I think on the river we have three options for how we can approach the hand. We can check call, uh, which is looks like what we took here we can overbet jam yep or we can block or bet block or bet yeah um and i probably would have taken the wrong option here given that he has nine nines but i think it makes sense for john dearish to consider the blocker bet essentially throw out that same twenty five thousand dollar chip that you did on the turn and do the old same bet and then see what the john deer hack guy does because if that read is accurate, he's not doing any sort of raising unless he's got you crushed. And so you would do the blocker bet with the intention to fold to a, to a jam? Yeah, correct. In terms of go bet fold on the river. Uh, I'm not saying I'd actually do it because I know I would like screw up this spot and probably do the same thing you did or just over jam, which would have been even worse. Um, but I think given all the stuff that we've talked about and the reads that we make, a blocker bet would have been the best option because then we essentially set our price on the river. Mm-hmm. We can bet, you know, 25, 30,000. And if we get raised, we know we're beat because given this person, <laughs> is there any chance that they're raising on the river as a bluff versus us? I think the answer is a profound no. Right. So what do you think um, John Deere does when you throw out the blocker bet? Probably just calls. <laughs> right? I mean, he's scared of an ace queen or something, right? That's what I'm thinking. I think there's like, I would say it's about 75%. I, just using a random John Deere, uh, <laughs> 75% that he just calls. So I agree. Just making me think that the blocker bet that Taylor's speaking of. Yeah. And Taylor, you brought that up before the blocker bet, and that is just something I just, I mean, I'm aware of it, but I just rarely, rarely use it. And I know in the past on this discussion, probably two or three times you brought it up in spots that I think, wow, that actually would have been a really good place to use that. I only notice it in hindsight. That's the thing about me. Yeah, but it's it's <laughs> every time you brought it up on the show, I feel like that's actually a very good spot to use it. Like right yeah. here, it seems great to you get value from the guy who was floating with King Queen of Hearts and hit his queen. You know that kind of that kind of garbage. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and you just know where you're at when he raises you. And if he just calls because he's scared and he beats you, you're, you know, you're out 25 grand instead of 65. Yeah. You save 40 grand there, which is 
yeah, would have been nice. You know, I think, I think one thing that we need to make sure that we do here is I think we need to bring in the actual John Deere guy himself. George, if you're still on the line. Yes, I, I am. George, there it is. Yes. <laughs> uh, uh, I didn't see that. What kind of hat should you wear? <laughs> George, is this how is this how you now? You're not really a John Deere guy. Now, this is part of your shtick for those who know George. Uh, <laughs> but let's let's pretend. I mean, John Deere guy, do you play pocket nines this way? Do you do you call pre, call flop, call turn, and then kind of come alive on the river with with this bet? Is this how well, you I, it? I think you let the donkey pull the cart as long as he's betting. <laughs> I'm just going to let him bet. <laughs> let the guy that flop trips. You know, if you got ace nine or you got a pair of nines, uh, I'm gonna as long as he's betting, I'm just gonna let him bet. I'm not gonna show my strength. So you're not gonna check raise flop or check or not check raise. You're not gonna re raise flop or re raise turn. You're just gonna call both of those streets. As long as he's betting the way he is, I'm just gonna let him keep going. Yeah, you do the same thing too, Steve. Uh, I probably would. I mean, you did it versus would- me. <laughs> well, it depends on stack size. <laughs> it depends. Am I, am I pretty sure that you're going to get your stack in by the river or not? Like, you know, in this spot, it's probably pretty safe to assume. But, like, yeah, I don't know. There, there are times where I think he, I would maybe re-raise turn if, you know, if I really was just convinced that he had an ace and he's never going to get away from it. But, yeah. <laughs> Let the donkey keep betting, George says. I mean, to be fair, I do the same. Let him pull the cart. You don't have yeah. to push him. It's good I mean, strategy, good speed. And, and I'm kind of, you know, part of the reason I'm not re-raising here too is I'm hoping, you know, the original opener had King, Queen of Hearts and they're kind of continuing with their betting they're drawn. I don't want to push them off of that. I want them to hit their heart. You know, I flopped the full yeah, house and I don't want to scare them off. Of it. What's that? He's, he has position on everyone. He can see what everyone right. does before him. So just if someone's out. betting into him, like he just keeps calling. He, he probably was really upset that the big blind folded. He thought he was going to oh, yeah. just stack the whole table. Yeah, that's another of the power position here, too, because, Chris, if you have that, you know, if this is flipped around and pocket nine's open and you decide to defend on the button with ace five of clubs, I mean, at some point you're going to find a check back there, I would think. You know, just just position alone is probably 50,000 chips in this pot. Yep. Not that you could control that, but just sort of just another reason why I just love position so much. That's a good good example. Any other comments on that one? I hope you still ran deep in the tournament. Uh, I think this one kind of started my demise there. I was doing real <laughs> well. In the, but that's why I bring this up because I feel like this is uh, – these are the type of hands where um, I feel like I'm running into trouble a lot where uh, I've got some strong value but I run into something and I, and I think I, I'm calling too often with stuff that by the river is pre- pretty clear that it's not – not the best hand. Yeah, I think you, I think you played it fine up until the river. Yep. And I think Taylor had a great point, a blocking bet right there, and that's probably all that he's going to do is call that even with his full house. Um and then you're going to, you know, you're only going to you're going to lose 40,000 less, but I don't know that you can get away from this hand without losing something. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean, yeah, no, it's not losing anything then you're not prepared to get the value you should be getting out of it most of the time right but, yeah i mean does anybody see anything different he could do i mean there's bet sizing things but at the end of the day your bet sizing on the flop wasn't going to matter in this spot you know they weren't going anywhere anyway so like is there anything that could have been done before the river well i, 
I think the bet sizing would make a little bit of a difference there. If if the flop bet had been bigger, then when John Deere calls, it's bigger alarm bells. Okay. So that might lend you towards slowing down a little bit more. But that's, that's true. That it's it's a minor quibbling point. Because you're thinking like like if he has just tens or sixes or whatever, the price was so small that Oh, let me peel one, see what happens. Maybe I hit my full house on the turn. Is that so? You, yeah, you just, I mean, the range is a lot wider. I, I think a John Deere very well with that bet size, he may still have called with tens or jacks. Yeah, which is what you want, though, right? That's the problem. That's what you want. That's the but that's that is the give and take, right? The, the small bet sizes. That's why I like the small bet sizes because I keep in the tens and jacks. What I don't like is I keep in the tens and jacks when they hit. <laughs> yeah. And I have been trying to experiment with that sort of small and the flop bigger on the turn. And that's kind of what yeah. I was doing on this hand too. But I, yeah. But that's a good point by John too. Yeah. Just in terms of up here from a hand ranging perspective, the bigger bet is yeah. going to narrow their range. Yep. Good stuff. You want to do another one or? I would love to. Okay. So this is a, another situation. Um, we're in the big blind this time. Good uh, Lord, you're, you're always deep stacked. Yeah, well, <laughs> this, this is the thing, is that... Uh, you always have 90 bigs. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm getting like solidly good at building a stack, and then I run into this, this type of situation. I just like basically don't want to flop trips. Because <laughs> okay. It's pretty scary. Sorry, um, I interrupted you there. Yeah. So anyway, I'm in the big blind. I got Jack 10 of hearts. Um, and um, this is another situation. It's opened by uh, under the gun plus one to 5,000. Uh, the blinds are 1,000, 2,000. Um, and we're nine handed. I think I remember those. This is just the two of us. Oh no, the, the button calls as well. Um, and we're yeah, we're both really deep stacked, and I've got Jack Ten of Hearts, and I call. And okay, flop. so you so you and the Under the Gun Plus One each have about ninety bigs. The button calls with about forty five bigs. Yeah. Okay. And the flop is ten of diamonds, ten of spades, three of clubs. Woo-hoo. Like great. Woo! <laughs> Based on the last hit, I've got scared. So, <laughs> um, so uh, I'm first to act, and I check. Because uh, I want to let the aggressor do something, uh, and uh, under the gun plus one bets eight thousand. Um, button folds, and it's m- my turn to act. And doggone it, we're out of position again. And yep. just like John Deere, you're just going to call here. I'll bet <laughs> you want to leave. You want to get as much from them as you can. You're not going to raise. First of all, let's go back a minute. What do we what do we put him on when he raises pre from early position and then continuation bets on that flop? Well, I think he's C bet whatever he opens with, I think he's C betting everything on that flop. Okay. Go, go ahead. Who is gonna say something there? I'm putting him on uh, a pretty uh, he he was being pretty 
uh, he's solid, but he was also, he was willing to gamble a little. So I think he's opening with pair sixes plus um, ace, king, ace, queen, maybe even ace, jack suited. Um, and I think he's continuing with his entire range on this flop. Yeah, that's where I would generally put him based on what you've said too. Maybe I mean it could be a little bit lower, like ace ten, king queen. If he's kind of loose, it could be down to fours or fives. But I, I generally think the same way. I mean, do you think he's is he opening? Is he the kind of player under the gun plus one that's going to open suited connectors like your eight seven ten nine type of hands or suited ace like ace two ace three that are suited? I think for sure, for sure. Okay. If they're suited, and some some of those hands would be in there too. Okay, so his range is quite a bit wider then. So he does have a fair amount of tens that could be in his range. And he, he's not going to have pocket threes in his range. It would have been a pretty loose open, but, I mean, I, it's possible with this player. Okay. But he's still – ace-10 could be there. Mm-hmm. He could have your hand in uh, – well, I guess he can't have your – yeah, he could have your hand in clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have ace-10. Yeah, but right. he could, he, yeah, I think he's continuing with everything that he that he opened with. That's just such a good board to continuation bet. I think for yeah. sure. Yeah, I I would stab at this a whole bunch of times if I was the original raiser, just because it's not going to hit the button and it's rarely going to hit our big blind defense range. I think it's an easy continuation bet for him, which gives him a lot of air uh, in his continuation continuation betting range. Yeah, for sure. Well, and then the king of clubs now on the turn, I think, is a great card for us because there's a, a lot of his range will contain a king in it. Mm-hmm. So that means he'll actually have something um, to go after. Brings in a, a flush possibility, so he's not going to slow play too awful much, although it would have been a back door on the flop. So... In general, I think you're looking like you're in good position here. Yeah, yeah, I feel I feel really good. And actually, I was thinking like when the this card was peeling, I was like, I hope it's an ace or a king. So, um, it I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this hand at this point. Um, but I check again because I want to <laughs> I want to John Deere him, uh, and now he bets big. He bets thirty five thousand. Was that a pot size bet? Is that what that was? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it was exactly a pot size bet. So is that? I mean, do you, is he the kind of player that you think he's just continuing with his whole range, or do you think at this point do you feel like he must have something? I'm putting him on some kind of potential. Uh, if he if he doesn't have a made hand, he's got maybe clubs, maybe queen jack. Although it's hard to find a lot of those, but uh, maybe queen, maybe clubs, maybe queen jack. And otherwise, um, he could have. Uh, I think he's got a lot of ace king, potentially king queen, um, and maybe a, maybe some of those better tens, like ace ten, maybe even king ten. Although I doubt it. Does the bet sizing say anything to you, signal anything? He bets a full pot size. 
which sometimes signals weakness, sometimes signals I want to max value. Yeah, I mean, it polarizes him for sure. Um, and he definitely, I, I mean, I think this is a I want you to fold kind of bet. Um, so I'm still feeling like I've got to at least call this um, for sure. Well, if I'm in your position, I'm looking at, I'm still thinking I'm going to win a monster pot. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to look to see if there's a way for me to get more value. Mm-hmm. So what's your thoughts about clicking it back about raising or, I mean, is raising too aggressive and you're just going to scare them off or do you just call one more time? Well, I, uh, I mean, I like that in, in retrospect, I think it's, uh, I think it's something that I should be doing more of and trying more of, uh, especially on this kind of board and especially where I, I think he has a lot of ace king. Um, and I think that might be why he's betting this much. Um, and I think, although, I mean, I don't know if he has ace king is calling this and waiting to the river to sort of, uh, have more aggression better, or is it better to do it here? Yeah, for me, I mean, I kind of like the, I, I would even actually consider lead. I don't love to lead into the pre-flop aggressor or whatever on, on the turn. I would consider a lead, just hope he hit a king just because I'm so afraid of it going check, check on kind of a wet board. But the way it played, even the check, I mean, I think the board is pretty wet at this point. He's got a lot of ace, X of clubs, a lot of king or a lot of queen jack. Um, you know, there, there's hands. If, if, if he were to fold right here, I don't think that's a, a horrible situation either. I mean, I pick up the 35K plus the other 17K. I pick up 52K, which is 26 bigs. You know, if I just raise him right here and just make him pay for any draws, or, you know, make, make it look like I have a draw too. I mean, if you just rip it in here, not saying you should, but if you just rip it in, what's he going to do with Ace-King? Maybe he folds and that's kind of a, a disaster, but what's he going to do with his Ace-Five of Clubs? You know, I don't know. It, it's something at least worth thinking about um, putting the pressure on him at this point and, you know, maybe you just get it in. I don't know. I just – the one – sorry, sorry, my last thought though just too. Like if I just call here – I just I just hate the spot out of position because now what happens on the river? The river comes it comes a blank, you know, two of diamonds. What do I do then? I mean, do I, I there's such a risk that it goes check check. I just want to get money in while there's a chance to get money in, I guess. Yeah, that was going to be my point, Steve. At, at this point, you can get money in when he's got ace king or he's got a big draw where you may not get paid on the river if he's playing one of those kind of hands. So if you want more money, the turn is where you need to go after that to get that value. Because by the river, his hand is either made or not, and he's gonna either have you beat or not. And if he doesn't have you beat, you're not gonna get any money out of him. It just sucks because our stacks are so deep. You know, I mean, we still got 80 big blinds left. You know, it's hate to, you hate to just rip in 80 bigs and have them snap call you, too. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because what, what's our sizing like on the river or on the turn here? I, John mentioned a clickback. I don't know if he meant like a, a min clickback to like 70K or are we sizing up a little bit? 
either way, it kind of leaves us with an awkward sizing on the river. Right. Like, and say I, you go to 85, like, then you've only got roughly 85 behind. And are you ever folding? Yeah. It, it feels like a weird spot with stack sizes. Yeah, the only thing I could see, when I said click back, I was actually meaning a pure click back raised to 70. So yeah, that's right now, for listeners, um, we've got 70,000 in the pot. The villain has um, 147,000 behind. And then we're sitting on 171,000 with a remaining 35K to call the bet that's been put out there. If you click it back, that's going to leave 100,000 in our stack and about 110,000 in the villain stack. There'll be um, 140,000 in the pot. So it makes a decent two-thirds size all-in bet on the river. Um, so if your goal is, if you really think you've got the best hand and your goal is to get stacks in by the river, I think you got to do something here. You can't just call. If you're scared or if you if you don't want to get stacks in, then that's not the right decision. And if you look at the rest, well, it looks like a lot of these sizes were just estimates because they're all the same. Stack yeah, the other size. stack sizes are just, just default numbers. Yeah, the rest of these are all – I didn't fill all these in. I just filled okay. in the players who were playing. How How is your position in the tournament compared – with these two players. Cause that's another thing to uh, take into account. If you two are sitting by far the most massive stacks, an argument could be made for playing a little pass more passively and not trying to get everything in. Um, on the other hand, if you're, you are the two most massive stacks and you happen to uh, double up through them, that's huge for the tournament too. Yeah, if I remember correctly, there was one other uh, stack at this table that had over 100K. And I, uh, one of the things I'm not ever good at is being aware of the rest of the room. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what was going on everywhere else. Um, but I'll tell you what I did. I called. I think this was a mistake. Um, and um, the four clubs comes, which isn't my favorite card in the world. Um, <laughs> and I check here, but I, st uh, I still, have, well, I'll just let you see what happens. Um, and villain shoves. Yeah. Gross. So that's looking <laughs> a lot like ace queen of clubs. Does he shove that? I guess, yeah. This, I got learned more and more. I have to learn that that more and more people shove their big made hands on the river because it's just different than how I play, and I get burned by this so much. So at on the turn, he bet a pot size bet, which is right. a big bet, which means to me screams it could be the flush draw because he's trying to just take it down now right. with the equity in the pot. When you call. <clears throat> Your hand screams, I've got a 10. Mm -hmm. So how, I mean, it's almost impossible to put him on a backdoor flush draw that gets there. So 
I mean, unless you think about it, right? Uh, so I could easily see him having the flesh draw doing this. I, it, that's the type of play I might make. And, and why not bet and, so, and just shoving rather than just going for 40 because you think if he's got a 10, he's going to call regardless. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'd, I'd have to figure out if, if Chris is the type of guy who's going to call, then I'd probably do it. Against you, Steve, I'd rip. Because you love to call. <laughs> I would have called a, I'd have called a queen high here. <laughs> I felt good about it. Oh, man. Okay. So, John, you see that. You see the ripping as a as a big nutted flush. Yeah. Or, or I mean, big. Or pocket kings. Or kings, right. Yeah. Or he could have been, you know, a solid aggressive player is capable of making a bluff there, too. Right. That's the thing. So, um, You've got Queen Jack that missed, or something like that, right? What if uh, what what is what is the villain putting Chris on? Ten. I mean, he he bet flop and turn. You just flatted both times. Yep. I mean, he should be a little bit thinking about you could have pocket threes, but there's just not that many of those combinations compared to random tens. You could have king ten. I mean, but. That's what I think anyway. I think it's it smells like Chris has tens or because I think even if you have like sevens or eights, you probably call flop, but you probably fold turn. And what else? So when the villain bets, looking at it from the villain's point of view at this point, um, and let's assume right now he has a flush. We don't know this, but let's assume he does. Then what can he get value from? I mean, really, the only thing at this point that Chris is going to call off with is either a flush, which he probably isn't calling the uh, flop bet to hit a, a flush on the river. Right. Because um, he'd had no pair there. Unless he had a 10, or, the 10 of clubs with it. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. 10 of clubs would do that. Um, or he had a um, – I lost my train of thought now. Or a 10. Clubs are a 10. Yeah. Yeah. So it seems like if he's got, particularly if he has the ace high flush, then it's not a bad thing to rip it in. I mean, he could be beat by a full house um, in that case. But and the only other thing would be if he happened to have pocket kings, which the villain very well could have played pocket kings this exact way as well. Except the turn Although, bet seems too big. Yeah, I agree with you there. But yeah, it could be. I agree with you there. Yeah, I think I'm looking at Ace King or that flush draw. And yeah, is he can't really put Chris on a full house because what has he got? Ten three, ten four, or pocket kings, pocket threes, or pocket fours. So it's a very, very narrow range of possibilities for Chris to have the full house at this time. And I'm probably betting betting the river probably with with one of those hands. Yep, yep. Good point. Yeah, Eric brings up a point. You know, if if our villain has a 10, what 10s in his range do we beat? I mean, 10, 10, 9 of clubs, I guess. But, I mean, because we don't beat that. That's the problem is that any 10 he has, if we think he's opening with suited connectors, he's got jack 10, 10, 9, that sort of thing. But the only suited connectors he could have with a 10 are both clubs. That's the tricky part. You know, we, we could say, well, we'd be 10-9, but we don't if he's only opening suited connectors there because it has to be 10-9 of clubs, which is now a flush. 
So I don't think there's any tens that we beat unless he's, yeah. I guess he has ace 10 offsuit. If we think he's opening ace 10 offsuit, you know, ace of diamonds, 10 of clubs or something like that. But we don't beat that. No, that's right. We, you're right. We don't beat anything. <laughs> Dang it. I'm trying to find something. I'm trying to answer Eric's question, but I can't find a 10 we beat. No. Good point. You think this uh, villain has any bluffs in this spot? I think Queen Jack is still a a, a bluff. I think that could still be in his range because he's gonna. If I if we think he's opening with Queen Jack, we think he'd open that wide. Now maybe you thought he wasn't that wide. Uh, if he's not, if he if that's in his opening range in that spot on the table, and we think he's gonna see bet with 100% of his range, and then on the turn he picks up the open ender, and he makes a pot size bet. To me, that would all make sense. Uh, but it comes down to if we think he would open whatever he was under the gun plus one with Queen Jack. Well, would it be Queen Jack suited? What's that? Queen Jack, what's that? Would it it'd have to be Queen Jack suited, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's part of the, Some players would open Queen Jack offsuit there. But, yeah, generally, you would think so. So I it's either see. diamonds, spades, or clubs. Right, and one of the three. Jack of hearts. And one of the three beats you. I could see him doing this with the big ace with the ace of clubs as well. Turning it into a bluff? Ace-queen offsuit with the ace of clubs. Yeah. Do you think he would with jacks and queens? Hmm. But what, yeah. But It doesn't seem right. I mean, because he has legitimate value in the hand. And at that point, you only need to check it down to to realize whatever equity you have, unless he's absolutely convinced he's beat. Unless, yeah, or if he thinks he can get you know get Chris to fold a ten there by representing the flush, he's turning his pocket jacks into a into a bluff. That's ugly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's that, Rob? So that's ugly. You don't, I don't. Yeah. I'm just trying to think like if, but if he, if he's, if he's, if we're pretty sure that he knows that we have a 10, then he's basically turning jacks and Queens into a bluff by representing. Yeah, the well, that's, that's where he doesn't go all in. Then when you check, he checks back and you're done with the hand. Well, you should, yeah. I mean, most people just kind of, because of John's pointer, whoever made the point, they got showdown value. So they could just check back. But if they're pretty sure you have a 10. Yeah. Or if you have a King like that, when you call the turn, they have to feel like they're behind. With jacks or queens. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, what are they ahead of? Right. Well, do you want to know what happened? <laughs> yeah. All right. So I, I'm not sure if – I'm still not sure if I made the right play, but I did call, and uh, uh, I did win. Hello. Uh, so ace, king, they, wow. clubs. Yeah, ace, king with the ace clubs. So they are they – Wow, that's weird. Are they bluffing they're the river? The flush. I think they're they're bluffing for sure. They're bluffing to rep the flush, right? Um, I'm still uh, – this is a hand I've thought about for a long time, and I'm still not sure if this was – I mean, it worked out for me. It's great. I had a big stack, but I think – I think that's – I'm not sure if it's the right call. I think it's a fold, but, I mean, it worked out. Yeah. Boy, this sure seems like another spot for a Taylor's blocker bet, doesn't it? Yeah, potentially. Or how do you see this as different than the other example? I mean, it seems like it's a pretty similar situation, out of position, instead of facing, you know, an effective 
130,000 shove, we, we, you know, we lead out for the 30 or 40 and fold to a, fold to a raise. Or, or is it different than the other situation? I, I'm thinking about it. Yeah. Cause we've, we haven't shown any aggression up until this point. Right. Yeah. That's, that is it's, a difference. It's a different situation than the previous hand where we were the pre-flop aggressor and the aggressor all the way through the hand. Mm -hmm. So a blocker bet there would make sense trying to get that last bit of value out of somebody. Because essentially what we want to do here is get them to bluff into us. That's our goal. There has been our goal the whole way is to have them show aggression and uh, we can just let them drive. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from the villain's point of view, um, do they think they're absolutely beat? Because we've played it fairly passively, check calling the whole way. But with that board, it, it's scary enough. What else are you calling with? He can probably discount the king because if we're calling on the flop, there is no king on the flop. Right, unless we're just getting like super sticky with king-queen because we have two overs or something. Yeah, I mean, so on the flop bet, he could put you on any pocket pair because any pair might call that particular board. Yep. Um, but when he bets out a uh, pot-sized bet on the turn, then what can he put you on? I, I, unless, he's, unless he's legitimately putting you on like queens and he did that overbet for value, but that just seems so odd. And in yeah. a tournament, you really want to get more value than you're likely to see there when your hand is best. So you're trying to figure out like why why would he shove this river when he has yeah. this showdown value? Yeah, I, I well no, I, it's I'm trying to figure out if the um, to make sure that the villain was actually trying to bluff there and wasn't yeah. doing it for value, and it seems like he should have been. I see what you're but, saying. Yeah. Um, part of it's oh. the label on him is solid aggressive. And I'm not so sure I like the villain's play, so I'm not so sure I like the <laughs> part. So you got the aggressive part. <laughs> Definitely aggressive. Maybe that's that's my fault that maybe for labeling as such. You you, you relabeled him after the hand. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, you know what? Is, what I, I thought Rob's question was a really good one, and I, it's ultimately why I, I decided to call. As I, I was thinking, I think he's putting me on a ten because of the way I've played this, and he's trying to push me off representing the flush. Um, and, you know, I was, but as we've seen, like I, I did that on the last hand and I called and I was wrong too. So I'm not sure in these spots if, if it's always good to just hang on in these situations and sort of hope that they're, they're bluffing like this. Uh, what, what kind of image did you have at the table? Um, I definitely had been one of the more aggressive players at the table. Um, so, um, I 
opened a lot. I'd won some hands with, you know, <laughs> some, some, some hands that maybe were a little questionable. <laughs> um, so I, I definitely is, was seen probably as somebody who could show up with a lot of hands here. But this this hand in particular felt different to me because I really, I hadn't had any aggression in it. Um, I had called just all the streets. So I'm not sure that somebody was thought I was trying to make a play for this. Yeah. That's what almost puts your hand more face up because of that. Right. I mean, if you ever re-raise or if you ever lead out here, they think, Oh, he doesn't have a 10 because he'd never re-raise or lead out on a 10. Mm -hmm. This, this just feels like a 10 all the way through. So, so you're saying like, so Rob asked the question, did he put you on a 10? And if the answer is yes, he must've put me on a 10 and then he shoved river. Then what's your, what's your thought process then? If he, if you think he's got you on a 10 and he still shoves, it's obviously very polarized, right? Well, I know, I know that everybody puts everybody on ace king, but, but when that (laughs) king showed up, it really felt to me like, and the bet that followed that the, player was either there sitting on ace king or king queen or some kind of a flush draw um but i felt like if they had hit their flush they'd still had me on their 10 i i did feel like the shove felt too bluffy it just felt like if i if i had hit a flush on that hand right. as the villain i'm not shoving there because i i don't i want to get some value for it um and so I just, I was like, between that and between him putting me on a 10, I was like, I think he's got ace king. That could very well be it. You know, he wouldn't have put you on a 10 until the turn. And when you called the turn bet, you check called on the turn. Prior to that, you could have had anything. You could have jacks, you could have nines, you could have queens, you could have any of those hands. Um, So he wouldn't have put you on anything, but... Then he got all of a sudden he got top pair. Um, then there's a pair on the board, so basically he's got two pair top kicker. He's you know he's got the nut flush blocker, so he's not worried about that. So yeah, he's making he's making a play on the on the river. I, I it has to be, unless he was just blind to the possibility that you could have a ten or that you would call if you had a ten. Right. How long did it take you to make the decision pretty much snap or did it take you a while? <laughs> no, this, is, this is a tank. And what was, was so, one of those like, oh, like get, right. get the bag, get ready to go. Just kind of what, what? You, you, you call as you're saying, nice hand. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious, like, uh, if you can remember, like, what was, I mean, all the stuff that we've talked about, but do you remember, like, what was the ultimate one thing that kind of put it over the top? Was it like, well, I got trips and I just can't full trips or was it, that just looks like a bluffy bet or, you know, what was kind of the, the final was it his body language? Like ultimately I was just weighing, like, I, I think that this player, I mean, they were, to me, they were polarized towards that kind of either have a King or they had a flush. And I felt like as I was thinking about it, if I had a flush, I would have bet differently. And so it was the bet sizing. It was the actual, it was the shove that made me call. Mm-hmm. Um, cause I, and you know, so I guess if somebody has got a monster, just shove on me. <laughs> That's what I would tell people too. Yeah. <laughs> cause I'll never, cause I'll think I never would play it that way. And right, right, right. Yeah. But so that's ultimately what, what 
waded into a call for me because it really, when I started to think about what kind of hands show up this way, it was pretty even either way. Um, so ultimately that, that was my decision. And, and, you know, I didn't think that he probably had a 10 at this point. Um, so I didn't think he had a better 10. Um, cause I'm not sure if you had a better 10 here, you're not, you're not going to shove this, this river. I don't think you're betting pot on the turn either. Yeah. Right. So I know it's a, it's a different situation because here we were basically just, just being passive and, and just catching, catching bluffs on every street versus, you know, driving the action with the ace five of clubs. But what is the, what are the merits pros and cons of a blocker bet here? Out of position, both. I mean, it's a blocker bet, but it's also a value bet, kind of too, right? Like, we don't want it to go check, check, and we also don't want to face a shove unless we know we're beat. Like, I mean, are there are there merits to a, a blocker bet here? Of, you know, I guess whatever it would have been, thirty thousand, forty thousand. The thing that I struggle with a blocker bet here is, and I'll look for you to answer this, Steve. If you blocker bet to, I don't know what would we blocker bet to, like thirty thousand, something like that. Yeah, I think somewhere in that range. Yep. Are you, are you calling or folding to a raise? I think I'm folding, but I think I, you know, either way, I have to decide that in advance. Right. Like I'm not just going to block her band. Like, well, let's see what happens. Uh, I think I have to figure that out. And if I'm never going to fold, then you know, maybe a check is the way to go because you really want to induce somebody to fire. Then. Um, I don't know but, if the right answer is to always check fold there. Okay. Yeah, I think in this spot I probably would, but I, I don't know. That's always right. What I mean, you you. Okay, so you don't necessarily have a, a whole lot of answers to why, but it just yeah. it it doesn't feel right to check and then decide. And even right now, I'm like sitting here trying to check, decide, like what the or sorry, bet yeah. decide what those options would be. Yeah, I think if I was going to use the tank, I'd probably use it in that spot to actually figure out what am I going to do here if I'm going to lead out or not, and make that decision right then, unless I really pick up on some sort of body language. Mm-hmm. And the other. The other thing about the blocker bet um, in terms of not doing it is our opponent does have a fair amount of bluffs here and the blocker bet kind of takes it away. The prior hand, we didn't think our opponent would have many bluffs and we really put them on like somewhat small value of hands. And I think that helps constitute a blocker bet where here it's kind of like if they're bluffing, we still want them to barrel off into us. Uh, granted, we got it put into a real tough decision when they shove. Uh, we would have much preferred a smaller size. But I I think we want to give them the opportunity to bluff into us. Yeah, I'd have to think through, like, what, what hands do we think they have on the turn? That would kind of be the off-the-felt work. But, like, when they make that big pot size bet on the turn, obviously they're doing that with a flush draw. They got there. Um, you know, if they're doing it with a king... Or, you know, what, what do we think they're doing? What they're doing with pocket queens, pocket jacks, that sort of stuff. And, yeah, I would just have to figure that out. Like, well, like, what hands, if we if we make a small lead bet, a blocker bet on the river, what's going to call, what's going to fold, what's going to re-raise versus if we check, what's the risk of being checked back? Like, if we bet 30000 I think we're going to get called by all of their kings, all their queens, all their jacks, maybe even pocket nines. I don't, you know, I don't know. Um, I shouldn't be, but you know, maybe I, I don't know. That's what I'm kind of curious. Like which, how much value is there in the calls that we get from our small lead bet by hands that we beat versus, you know, getting checked back by those hands. 
versus inducing bluffs, like you're saying. I don't know. I think exactly. that's all great questions, but it's tough. yeah, yeah. You can't do it now. I mean, you can't do it on the fly. This is kind of the off the felt work. Mm-hmm. But I think that's that sort of where it comes down to to me. If I just think they have a ton of kings in their range, and if I think they're just going to check back if I check, I feel like there's a, a small value bet that we can make then too. And also, if they just have it, if they've got the flush, or if they've got, I mean, if they have a flush, they might just call the blocker bet too. There's no guarantee that they're going to re-raise. I mean, you know, the way I played, I could have king 10, could have pocket threes. There's a lot of things that I could have. So, but you if know, they have the flush, they almost always have the ace high flush. Right. But I'm worried about the whole house. Right. Right. But they still might. Hat, right. I think you're getting a raise on the river. Yeah. In which case, I think I can pretty easily fold. Maybe not easily. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know if those are that. <laughs> I, I just, I'm just, I'm so, intr- I'm so captivated by the, by the blocking bet from the last hand, I'm kind of looking, are there other opportunities to maybe try to implement that? The thing about those two though, is that you can't, you've got to be able to have uh, blocker bets that you'll then call. Right. Yeah, for sure. Because it, otherwise it's like so easy to just shove on you whenever you blocker bet. And then, but so, and then this feels like, I don't know if you, if you're going to do that, is this one of those candidates for calling? I don't know. It's that's where I get a little, stuck on it too i mean if i'm yeah i'm just trying to think like say i have a bluff which i guess the villain if i'm in the villain's shoes if i have a bluff here or if i have exactly what i have or i have a made hand you know and if 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 five by five if, if chris leads out into me doesn't that just take my bluff away like do i ever really feel like i could bluff there like you you put in thirty into a pot that was I don't know ninety thousand or something so it's one twenty. Do I really think my shove is going to get you to fold? I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe you guys. I'd love to have you hear your guys' thoughts. I just feel like it takes the bluff kind of away, which I know removes a chunk of our potential value. But it seems like it'd be very hard for them to bluff over the top of a of a lead. Well, what you're what you're saying then is. If you do put a blocker bet out there and he comes over the top, you're going to fold. In this spot, I might. Yeah. Because you're saying he has it if he yeah. comes over the top. Because he's got to, I If I'm him, I feel like, well, do I really have fold equity here to, if, if I make a bluff here, do I really think they're going to fold? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Good thought. I don't know. So I think it's a matter we we lose value from the bluffs that they would have made, but we gain value from the calls that they'll make that they would have checked back. Yeah, he's probably called a blocker bet and may not have tried to uh, bluff. Now, as it was played, Chris got a lot more value. Yeah, right, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, we can't count on this kind of thing happening. Exactly. I think think it's because the – well, I don't know. I think I think that's solid aggressive. I think he played it a little poorly. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no disagreement there. You got absolute max value, obviously, out of the hand. I just think most of the times that Ace King's going to check back. Yep. But they would have called. They call thirty grand. Do you think Ace play, King plays that way for most of us up till the river, or would we play it different all the way? 
I think, I mean, let's see, opening pre-flop for sure, continuing on that flop for sure, hitting the king on the turn. I probably don't make a pot size bet, but I'm going to. My bet's much smaller if I hit that king. Yeah, but I'm going to continue there, and then I would just check back river. That's how I would play it. But I'm still probably playing lower variant style. I mean, I got 80, 80, 90 big blinds to start the hand. I'm not really looking to lose 90 big blinds with one pair. Yeah, I probably on the turn bet like fifteen thousand instead of twenty five. Yeah, because you're trying to get value. Right. Fifteen would be what percentage of the pot back then? Like sixty percent. I think it was twenty five at the time. Fifteen out of twenty five. Oh, it was thirty five. Oh, thirty five. Oh, so like forty percent of the pot. Is that what you're saying, John? So you'd about fifteen no, into into thirty five. I was thinking the pot was twenty five. So, so was I. I. Twenty thousand. So sixty. Okay, about sixty percent ish. Yeah. yeah. So that's really the only difference until the the river, and then if you had the guy when he called you, you put him on a ten. You figure, if I'm going to win this hand, I need I need to shove, or you just check it down and say I'm giving up. Well, if I bet, if I only bet twenty thousand into that pot, then I think hands that leaves in to me the pocket pairs. So he might still have Chris could have nines or eights or jacks or queens. Um, possibility it we're chopping with ace king, but I don't necessarily put him on just the ten in this position, particularly given how Chris has described his image at the table. Right. With You're talking about this under the revised bet on the turn. Right, under the revised bet on the turn. Yep. Yeah, so I agree. That isn't necessarily a terrible move because it helps him range. It helps him get a read. Right, but then, then you're basically <laughs> just guaranteeing you're putting – you're only yeah. putting in money when you're behind. Yeah, I think you're right, Stacey. I think it, it, it does allow him to squarely put Chris on a 10. I think so it does give him that information, but then I don't think he uses the information. Well, he almost folded. That's what I, my, my point is. I'm not. Oh, Chris did. Yeah. So I'm saying here, depending the way he did, he's got that information. And all of us are kind of saying, well, with that information, we'd have definitely checked down the river, kind of feeling like we're beat. Or he maybe thought he was maybe behind and thought, you know what? This is a chance. This is a scary card. I'm, I'm going to really put the pressure on it. Even a, even a 10 would fold here, maybe. I don't know. That just That's a good point. Yeah. I mean, so if, if Chris knows that he knows that Chris has a 10 and he's still shoving river. Which is what we were talking about before yeah. he showed us the card. We were kind of all surprised. We were kind of looking at going... Well, we're behind all the tens, and we're behind king ten, and we're behind clubs. We're behind every club. We're behind. What are we ahead of? We're <laughs> the one hand he had here <laughs> that he yep. would that would do this. So I mean, like like Chris was. That's why he brought this up. Did he make the right call? Maybe. I mean, it worked out, but maybe the right move was for him to fold here, and that push on the king you know with the ace king maybe wasn't a terrible play it didn't work out but i don't know your thoughts on that yes yeah, so you're giving more merit to the 
to our solid aggressive friend here. Yeah, I mean, if, he, if he really thought through it and said, my only chance to win this hand is to shove, because if I make if I make a half pot, three quarters of pot bet, he's calling. But if I if I shove, I mean, I'm polarized. He's got to guess, you know, my ahead or behind, and maybe just guess the guy will go away and live to live to fight another day. I don't know. Thoughts? That's a good thought. What do you guys think? I think the, that that's kind of why I brought up both of these ends. I think I think correct. I mean, I called on both of these rivers. Uh, one worked out, one didn't. But I think in both cases, I think I made a mistake. I think in both cases, I should have folded. Um, but that's kind of where I was. And I th- so maybe this is a really interesting move when you've got the ace of clubs uh, in your hand and you got the ace king and you know that your opponent is very likely to have a 10 um, because maybe they're supposed to fold. It's because you weren't on the club draw. He knew that. Right. So looking back at it, though, um, unless the only hand, the way the villain played it, the only hand that I at all liked the way he played would have been if he had the flush, you know, had an ace queen or ace jack of clubs because the um, pot or the turn bet, the the flop bet, I think is fine. I think that was good. Uh, The continuation bet there, the turn bet, making a pot size bet into that pot, just pretty much guarantees the only things that are going to call you um, have you beat. So you're almost guaranteeing that the only money that's going into that pot is bad. Uh, And then on the, so unless you've got the flush draw and you just want to get people away, I can see that as a viable argument there. And then obviously when, if he had hit the flush on the river, and he thinks that there's a chance you're going to call. He could consider that overbet. But even there, it's a pretty big overbet. And there is a possibility of a full house still sitting out there. I'd be much more inclined to go three quarters or pot size bet. So given all of that, I'm what I'm coming back to is I don't know that your call was necessarily all that bad. Something here doesn't add up. So in the way the villain played the hand to me. So, you know, when you're adding up the pieces, then it's got to go down to your gut feel and your read. And I think that one of the big differences for me in between these hands is that this player was capable of this move. And I think the other player wasn't. And that's why the, I think the first hand is for sure a fold. Um, and then this one, I'm still not sure. I'm I'm not convinced it was a bad call. Okay, not well, good. <laughs> either, but I, I mean, I think there's enough ambiguity there that I think there's room for this to be a good play. I just noticed as we were talking before he showed us the Ace King, our language is a little bit different. And then when it showed the Ace King, it felt like it changed to now picking on his bad play. But before that ace king was shown, it felt like we were like, what are we ahead of? This guy's really shown strength all along. 
is he on Kings? Is he on the the flush that hit? I mean, that's all we were really giving him credit for until we saw the Ace King, and then it felt like our language switched to kind of picking on, oh, this wasn't really a good play of his. But if that's what he was repping all along, that's kind of the point you're making when you when you're doing a bluff, isn't it? I mean, he felt like he had us all tricked until we saw the the outcome. Would would have any of us called before Chris said it? Felt like we were all kind of heading towards no, we got to fold, right? Or, or or am I reading that wrong? You're absolutely right, Stacy. You're absolutely right. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. Now we're picking it apart because we saw that he had Ace King. But prior to seeing that, nobody put him on that hand. We had him on ace, queen of clubs, you know, yep. king 10, something like that. Like a king. <laughs> yeah, although although part of the conversation, I think, was also shaded by the previous hand. <laughs> I mean, the way Chris presented it, it's like, okay, let us let me uh, show you a few hands where my trips get busted. <laughs> um, so, I mean, okay. that's fair, that, John. That may have been part of the reason why we were coming at it with from that tack beforehand. I, I don't know. This is a really complicated hand, and it's not obvious to me yeah. either way. I think I said where I misplayed my trips, but maybe I said yeah, where no, I... no, you did. <laughs> but I think that's kind of where you're, you're, you're. We're not used to people telling us good beat stories. Right, right. <laughs> well, this is a hand I've really thought about, and I feel yeah. like you've got to think about these hands where you get this really great thing happening to you, but did you really deserve it? And <laughs> and uh, and should you be making that play, you know, down the road? And and I'm still not sure about this hand. I, yeah, I still think I still think I fold there. I still I would never put him on Ace King here, just because I would have thought I would have checked back. I mean, I think Queen Jack to me was the one, well, the only hand I could think they're bluffing with there. Obviously, I was wrong, uh, but that's that's kind of my my thought is still, it's probably a begrudging fold. Yep. No, on the but on the turn though, we did talk about Ace King before we saw the club sure. on the river. We were talking that, hey, he could possibly have ace-king here yep. because now he hit his top pair, top kicker. There's a pair on the board, but he's got two pair with top kicker. Right. And he's going to see if he can uh, push you off your hand at that time in case you have the odd flush draw or uh, like pocket jacks or pocket queens that could potentially catch up. So Right. No, I think for sure I put him on uh, ace-king was in the range when he bet the turn. Yep. But once we once we called that pot size bet on the turn, I think he obviously could still have ace king, but I just couldn't imagine him shoving river right. once we had called that big turn bet. So I agree that it was in the range until we called and then he shoved river. Then I took it out of his range, obviously incorrectly. I think he could only do this with the ace of clubs, but yeah. yeah. That's stones, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean the stones on this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, if you don't get caught bluffing, yeah, you're not bluffing enough, or isn't that whatever the? Yeah, yep. that's, that's the saying. Maybe but he, rip, God, he just he rips in seventy five bigs there on the river. I mean, to win ninety, he put in one forty seven. That was about one and a half, wasn't it? Yeah, I just oof. he might have just got caught up with he was aggressor the whole way along. You know, I don't know. You guys ever get caught doing that? But <laughs> oh no, never. <laughs> <laughs> you put in on the turn. You, yeah, especially... up, you hit the 
you hit the turn and you bet and you're thinking, ah, oh, this has got to be mine. So I got to follow through. And maybe, maybe he didn't put much thought into it at all. Have you on a 10 at all? He just got caught up in his own betting and just pushed. And, yeah. He just, I've got ace king and I had a king on the board. I'm really good. Yeah. I mean, it's just as yeah. simple as that without even really he, thinking through what, he, what we had. And then he looked down and goes, oh, crap, did I really have that many blinds <laughs> after he shoved? He went, oh, whoops. Right. Yeah, once he shoved was it, and you were thinking about calling, do you think he's, like, going, yeah, I want him to call. I want him to call. I mean, what's, what's he thinking there? I mean, He can't want me to call. Right. That. You don't think so, but, like, does he think his ace-king is good? There's no way I'm calling that with anything <laughs> that he beats. No. Right. Right. That's, uh, that's why I still think the villain's play is just so odd and bad there i mean if if he had just on the turn bet a three-quarters pot bet then i think you you get to the river here and it's pretty easy i think you can just check for value because you're going to be ahead of a large enough point portion of chris's range that he may have called with that because someone might when the king comes that's an excellent double continuation bet for the villain's hand. Yeah, for sure. You know, even if he doesn't have the king. Yep, so, for sure. I don't know. But then once you get called. Right, but yeah, he, yeah. If, if he had bet, if he had made a reasonable right. size bet on the turn, right. then, you know, Chris can call with nines or, I mean, the stacks are deep. So calling with nines or jacks or queens or even eight sevens isn't a bad play. Right. He's going just, could just as easily have ace queen as ace king. Yep, for sure. Oh, those are good. Those are good hands, man. That's that's interesting for sure. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for going over this because it's it's very helpful, and I've, I've been trying to think about these kind of hands a lot lately. Okay, yeah, no, good stuff. Well, any other any other thoughts on that deal, guys? Otherwise, we can we'll shut her down here pretty quick. Any other? What any any key takeaways from that? No key takeaways. Just a good use of your time. Okay. Well, for, for me, I think it's still. I think it again. It once again, it's sort of the the power position again. I think just not that you can control that all the time, but you're just sort of hamstrung. Both. <laughs> yeah, Jack. Jack's takeaway is don't play trips. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just just open fold it. Um, but I think you know the the power position. Just how much information you had. How much you could control the the bet sizing and all of that. I still think that uh, I'm super intrigued by the, um, by the blocker bet on the, on the river for sure. The first hand, but even the second hand, I'm still uh, intrigued about that concept and that potential, both from a pot control and a value perspective. Uh, that was super interesting for me. Um, and just, again, it's, it's just kind of a constant reminder to me of a trap that I fall into. Maybe you mentioned this too, Chris, just assuming that people play the same way I do. Mm-hmm. Like if I have ACE King there, I just check back all the, all day long and maybe I lose value in spots. Maybe I'm, I miss spots to bluff people off of a 10, but that's just how I would play it. So I never put my opponent on it. It's just another reminder that we have to try to get ourselves inside the mind of the opponent. I know John Somsky is always saying that it's always good to say, okay, let's take it from the villain's perspective. Um, and I think I need to do a better job of that. So that's kind of what I took away from, from tonight. And I think what Chris said about the players getting a decent read on the players the first guy, maybe he should have folded because he had that read. And the second guy, well, he still could be wrong, but this guy's capable of making this bluff. So maybe. You know. 
maybe going with that. They can read. Yep. Other thoughts? All right, well, we'll wrap it up there. Thanks to Rob and Stacy and George and Jack and John and Taylor and Chris and Eric Anderson for joining us. Oh, uh, Chris just joined. Chris, uh, new talk, just joined us as well here at the very end. But thanks to you guys. Uh, great discussion, Chris. Thanks for bringing those hands and walking us through that. I think that was fantastic. Uh, just a reminder, go to uh, recopertraining.com. Check out all the information there. And until next week, good luck on the felt, everybody.